Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. looking at the book of Job. Job is an interesting book and it asks um, uh, a couple of very interesting questions. I think um, you're going to put them up there on the screen. A couple of interesting questions. Is God good even when everything goes bad? Is God worth trusting when you lose everything you have? Now the book of Job is, like I said, a fascinating book because if you I've been watching or listening the past two weeks, you'll know that Job lost everything that he had. He lost his assets, he lost all his wealth, he lost his children, which you can imagine the pain of losing all your children at once. He also lost his health. So we find Job broke, uh, lonely, and extremely sick. But one thing God did let him keep was his wife, who told him, why don't you curse God and die? So I don't know how uh, helpful she was. He'd lost everything, but the one thing he didn't lose was his faith. And you'll find in the first couple of chapters of Job that he answered those questions with an emphatic yes. God is good when everything goes bad. God is worth trusting when you lose everything you have. And so his theology was right on this. Sometimes bad things do happen to good people and it's not a reflection on God. He is still good. He still can be trusted. We just live in a broken life where stuff happens. But even though Job got his theology, <coughs> excuse me, theology right, he still had to deal with the pain in his heart because he still had the grief, the intense sadness that he was going through. And last week we looked at the fact that grief isn't a bad thing. It's actually a God-given gift to help us deal with tragedy. And Job's three friends turned up and they did something incredibly selfless and loving to him. It says, when they saw Job from far away, he looked so different they almost didn't recognise him. And they began to cry loudly and they tore their robes and they put dirt on their head to show how sad they were. Then they sat on the ground with Job for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how much that he was suffering. This is the ultimate of being a friend. They arranged to get together. They uh, showed sadness. They, they showed Job, we're feeling your pain. They sat on the ground with him for seven days without saying a word. Now that's true friendship. Job, we're with you. We understand. We feel your pain. We just want you to know that we're here. But after seven days, people started to speak, Job and his friends. And for the next 30 odd chapters, we find the interplay between Job and his friends. And it makes fascinating reading because Job's friends, they started off really well. They, they uh, had empathy with him, they sat with him, they, they cried with him. And as Job is trying to process why all of this is happening, uh, we see in the conversations they have um, a, a lot of things that they believed. They believed about the place of suffering in our life and who God is and who we are and the relationship we have with God. And it really comes out as they begin to talk. Now remember this book is written as wisdom literature. It's in the wisdom literature part of the Bible, which means that as we read it, it gives us wisdom for life. And so it actually helps us understand suffering and who we are and who God is 
when we go through suffering, and we've already established the first truth that God is good even when things go bad, God is worth trusting even when you lose everything you have, but in the second part of the book now, uh, we learn a lot about human interactions and how we process suffering. And it's Job who breaks the silence. Job, after seven days, is the first one to speak. And this is what he says. After seven days, Job cried out and he cursed the day he'd been born. He said, let the day I was, being bo- let the day I was born be destroyed. Why didn't I die as soon as I was born? Why didn't I die when I came out of the womb? Why did my mother's knees receive me and my mother's breast feed me? If they had not been there, I'd, I would be lying in, dead, in a dead place in peace. I would be asleep and I would be at rest. What an outburst this is from Job, who believes God is good, who trusts God, and after seven days of intense grief, and you can read everything he said in Job 3, Importantly here, he doesn't curse God. Instead, he says, why is my life like this? I wish I was dead. Because at least if I was dead, I wouldn't be in pain. This is how bad my life is. He sticks to his firm belief, God is good. I can trust God, but he lets it all out. He wishes he was never born. He wishes God would take his life. And he wonders why God allows me to live. Why does God allow me to live with this pain when I'm in such agony? when it would be much better to be at rest. This is where one of Job's friends steps in, because Job's had this outburst. And I can actually understand where he was coming from. If I lost everything I owned, if I lost all my kids, and I lost my health all at once, I think I might be saying these sort of things. But Job's friends step up and think they've got to defend God. Eliphaz is the first one. Now. You must realise Eliphaz has been a great friend for the last seven days. And he's organised, like I said, to come and see Job. And he ripped his clothes and he put dirt on his head as a sign of sadness. And he sat in silence for Job. But when Job starts talking about, I wish I wasn't born, I wish I could just die. And then he, Eliphaz, thinks, no, this is too much. Now you're starting to, to blame God. And I want to step in and I want to defend God. And so during his friend's incredible suffering... He says, no, no, this is not good. You need to learn some truths, Job. Two verses in his his speech really sum up what he says to Job. This is what he says. I have noticed that people who plough evil and plant trouble harvest it. God's breath destroys them and the blast of of his anger will kill them. The one who God corrects is happy. So don't don't uh, don't hate being corrected by God. God hurts, but he also bandages up. He injures, but his hands also heal. What Eliphaz is saying is stop your complaining because you've actually brought this on yourself. Your suffering is a result of something wrong in your life and God's trying to bring correction to you. He never treats you unfairly. So all this stuff has happened because you've got something in your life that you need to change. Don't look at this as punishment from God. Look at it like God is bringing you correction. So don't be saying, why was I born? Look at yourself and say, what do I need to change in my life so that I don't have this stuff going on? Now imagine being told that. Job had to cop that from his friends. And so uh, Job, what he's saying to Job is, you are the source of your incredible pain. You are the source of what's happening. So don't be talking to God like that. You just change what you need to change and then you'll have blessing in your life. Job responds to that. 
and he defends himself. And he says, I haven't done anything that bad, trust me. Uh, He says, if I have sinned, what have I done to you, God, you watcher of humans? Why have you made me your target, like these guys are saying? Have I become a heavy load for you? Why don't you pardon my wrong and forgive my sin? Soon I will lie down in the dust of the earth, and you will search for me, but I will be no more. For Job now, there's a bit of confusion coming in. He knows in his heart he hasn't done anything to deserve this. And he knows God's fair, but now his friend is speaking to his life saying, your suffering uh, is never because God is unfair. Your suffering is because you've done something wrong. Now you need to pick it up and find out what it was. And so for Job, he starts to think, is God unfair? I trust him and I love him and I'll hang on to him, but is there some unfairness in all of this? Then up stands the second friend called Bildad. And these guys are working as a tag team. And uh, he doesn't like what Job's saying either. And so he gives this to Job. This is his good Christian friend. How long will you say such things, Job, for your words are no more than wind? God does not twist justice. The Almighty does not make wrong what is right. Your children sinned against God and he punished them for their sins. Now imagine that line. Your kids died because they were sinning against God. It's not because God was unfair, it's because they were sinning and they deserve what they got. Now, I don't know how I would react to that as a father, but he goes on. He says, you should ask God for help. You should pray to God Almighty for mercy. If you are good and honest, he will stand up for you and he will bring you back to where you belong. Where you began will seem unimportant because your future will be successful if you confess to God and change your ways. Wow, with friends like these. (laughs) Wow. God is always fair. And when bad stuff comes into your life, it's your fault. You actually deserve it because God is trying to correct you. Your kids sinned against God and they got what they deserved. And then he says, ask God for help. And if you're good enough, God will restore to you what you lost. Now that seems so harsh. Uh, And you can read that um, Job responds to this and says, I don't understand it. That doesn't make sense to me. I love God and I haven't done anything to deserve this. And there's so much now confusion in his tone. So we've had two friends. Then we have the third friend called Zophar. How's Job feeling now? He must be feeling absolutely terrible. It's your fault that all this happened. Get your heart right. And if you get your heart right, then it might be restored. So then his third friend steps up, Zophar. What's he going to say? Eliphaz has said, you did something to deserve this. Bildad goes into specifics. Your kids died because they sinned. If you ask God for help and you're good enough, he will help you. Zophar goes even further. He says in Job chapter 11, uh, you say my teachings are right and I'm clean in God's sight. I wish God would speak and open his lips against you, Job and tell you the secrets of wisdom, because wisdom has two sides. Know this, that God has actually forgotten some of your sins. In other words, what this guy is saying is, you've been treated like you're suffering really badly, and the first two guys got it right, it's your fault, and you better find what's wrong in your heart and repent and change your behaviour, and it's because of uh, all this stuff, this stuff is all going on because of what's bad in your heart, and if you change your behaviour and pray, God will restore, but then he goes further and says, God has actually hasn't treated you as bad as he should have. You just 
you ought to think yourself lucky that you haven't copped more because you've got such unrepentance in your heart and you refuse to acknowledge the bad in your heart. How does Job feel now? He lost everything, yet he kept faith with God. He, he said, God is good even when things go bad. God is worth trusting, even though I lose everything I have. But then his Christian friends come and say, all this stuff is your fault. Find out what's bad in your life and change it. If you will only find out what's bad. So what does Job do with all this? Is it true? Does he have sin in his life that he needs to change? Is this suffering the result of something in his heart that shouldn't be there? If he repents and changes his ways, will God restore everything? Maybe this suffering is a result of sin in his life. And now Job begins to, he begins to struggle with this. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. But these three Christian friends are really hammering me with this. Maybe I don't understand it. What's the truth in all of this? I've been a pastor for nearly a quarter of a century. I've seen suffering in my life. I've seen people go through stuff, particularly ill health. I've seen people suffer over many years. And I've actually heard Christians say what these three guys said. If you have something negative in your life, if you have illness or if you have financial hardship, if it feels like God isn't blessing you, if you have tragedy, if you have depression or mental health, it's because you don't have enough faith. It's because you need something changed in your life. You need to confess something. There's something wrong there. You're not good enough. Jesus' disciples even asked that when they saw a man born blind. They saw the man born blind and they said to Jesus, why is he blind? Who was it that sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, you've got it all wrong. You have absolutely no understanding of what's going on. So do we have suffering and illness because we aren't good enough? That's the question now being asked in Job. We've already established God is good. God is fair. Can he be trusted? But is now suffering the result of me not being good? Of me uh, not being good enough and not having enough faith? Is that why we get suffering in our life? As with any destructive teaching, there's actually a kernel of truth in this. Because the fact is, sometimes we do face the consequence of our sins. If I sleep around and, and I play up on my wife, then I can expect to have a less than ideal relationship with her and with other people. And I will face the consequences of that. If I drink heavily and I'm constantly getting drunk and getting into fights, I will face the consequences of that. If I'm lazy and I don't have much money, I'm just facing the consequences of my behaviour. But is all our suffering the consequence of sin? Can I get rid of the negatives in my life and live a blessed life simply by being good? And this comes to the crux of it. Can I live a totally blessed life without suffering just by having enough faith and being good. As I read through Job, and especially his interaction with his friends, I find something really interesting that explains the difference between Job and his friends. And this is vital if we're to understand what suffering is about. Because for Job, he's lost everything. He's lost his wealth, he's lost his kids, he's now fully sick, he's unwell... 
and he's struggling with why has this happened to me but for Job when you read through all his statements when you look at what he's talking about his whole focus is I want my relationship with God to be strong I want to trust him completely I want this this relationship to be so strong this is why I live God, make my relationship with you strong and good. That's the focus of everything in his life. In Job 14, we read this. Will the dead live again? All my days are a struggle. I will wait till change comes. You will call to me and I will answer you. You will desire the creatures that your hands have made. He says, even though God kills me, yet I will still have hope in him. And his whole focus is his relationship with God. His stuff, his health, everything that he lost, although causing him pain, is secondary to this relationship with God. This is what I desire. I desire a great relationship with God. And that's what he talks about. For Job's friends, however, their focus is on what was taken away. His wealth, his health, his kids. And their focus was... If you do right, then you will get your wealth back. If you do right, then you will get your health back. If you do right, then God will bless you. And so they say things like, if you are good and honest, he will stand up for you and he will bring you back to where you belong, healthy, wealthy and wise. Where you belong, where you began from now will seem unimportant because your future will be so successful. And their focus isn't on Job's relationship with God. Their focus is on his health, wealth and everything going on with that stuff. They also say this, you will laugh at destruction and hunger, you will not fear the wild animals, this is because you will have an agreement with the stones in the field and the wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your tent is safe because you will check the things you own and you will find nothing missing. You will have it all back and you will know, you will have many children and you will have descendants, it will be like the grass in the field and, and you will come to the grave with all your strength you will have it all back if you are good enough, if you have enough faith, if you have enough righteousness in your life, you will get back your money. You see, their focus was on his wealth and on his blessing. His focus was simply on his relationship with God. And that's where, when it comes to this question, these questions that we look at, for Job, is God good when everything goes bad? Is God worth trusting? when you lose everything you have, still at the centre of it all was his relationship with God. And sure he felt the pain. He felt the pain of losing everything. He felt the pain of losing his kids. He felt the pain of his ill health. But still at the centre of it was, the most important thing is, is my relationship with God good? But for his friends, you suffer because you aren't good enough. If you were good enough, you would be wealthy, you would be healthy, and you would have a blessed life. The crux of the question is, what is a blessed life? For Job, a blessed life was having a strong relationship with God. And he mourned the loss of his family and the loss of his wealth, but they weren't the important thing. The most important thing was his relationship with God. For his friends, his wealth was the main thing. And they indicated that you were right with God. And so if you had money and full health and lots of kids 
That was God's blessing on your life and indicated that everything was right in your heart. But if those things went wrong, then it's an indication you need to change because God is no more, no longer blessing your life. Now we come to the crux. What is it to live in God's blessing? Do you know, for me personally, uh, to live with enough money, we own our own house, we don't want for anything, we're fairly healthy, fairly, we, we have three kids, God has blessed us. If I lost it all, would I still think I'm under God's blessing because I have a relationship? Now that's an interesting theoretical question. When the rubber hits the road and you lose your health and you have to struggle with chronic illness, is it because you don't have enough faith or does that chronic illness play a secondary role to is my relationship with God good? Because if you're like Job's friends, you can never believe I'm struggling with my finances, I'm struggling in my relationships, I'm struggling with ill health, but I still have a great relationship with God. Their belief is, if you have a good relationship with God, everything will be blessed. In reality, how often does that happen? I told you last week about a young girl who, uh, from Gainda, Michelle, who's, I did, I did her wedding, she was my first wedding, she was also my first funeral. She died very young in her 20s. Uh, just in the last few weeks of her life, um, I spent a lot of time with Michelle, obviously, as she, was, as she was dying. And she used to come to church every Sunday. And she used to come with her mum and her sister. And she would bring them with her so that when we sang to sing, they could hold her up because she couldn't stand. And they would, she would ask them, hold my hands up. And they would either side hold her hands up and she would worship God. She was the most faith-filled person I have ever seen. She refused to, uh, to not come to church. She would come to church no matter what. It actually took her death to stop her coming to church. She was so full of faith. She was so kind and compassionate. She was so good in her heart, yet she died of a brain tumour in her 20s. As I look at Job, I find good health, wealth, and a good life, while that's great, they aren't the most important thing. And I can lose those things, and it's not a reflection on God, and it's not a reflection on me, sometimes bad things happen. But what's most important is my relationship with him. And in the end, nothing else matters. And I can live a blessed life no matter what I lose. And this is the conflict between Job and his friends. Now, the interesting thing about these chapters is that God doesn't speak. God lets them play it out. God lets them have their arguments. God lets Job's Christian friends say, you're not good enough and we're speaking on behalf of God and you better change your ways and repent and maybe you'll get it all back. We don't actually hear what God says. But then when they finally finished, we actually hear what God says to Job's friends and to Job. And we're going to look at that next week.
because God's going to have the final answer. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. Remember, Job is wisdom literature in the Bible, which means it's in the section of the Bible that we are to read so that we can live wisely. And these two questions, they're still our questions today. Is God good even when everything goes bad? Is God worth trusting even when you lose everything that you have? You might be standing here today and you have lost a lot. You are fighting a battle that is really hard. You might have lost your health. You might have lost your mental health. You might have lost a relationship. You might have lost uh, things that are dear to you and you're really struggling at the moment and you're struggling with, is God fair? Can I trust him? Let me tell you, the story of Job gives us wisdom. And the wisdom from these sections is, keep trusting him, make this, make this the most important thing in your life and then everything else will get perspective. God feels your pain. He's standing with you in your pain. And he actually knows what it is to feel your pain because he suffered physically. He suffered with broken relationships. He knows what it is to live a tough life. He feels your pain. But our focus, this is our primary focus. Why don't we pray together? Lord, I want to thank you for the book of Job, which helps me see what suffering is all about. It helps me view suffering from a correct view and helps me explain why the world around me is so broken and why I see so much pain. And I pray for people here in our church today that are suffering right now, whether it's broken relationship, whether it's the pain of ill health, whether it's uh, the pain of losing so much, I pray that they would realise that this is not necessarily punishment from God. This isn't because they aren't good enough. This is simply the world that we live in. And we all experience pain. But I pray that they would make their priority their relationship with you. Because in the end, that's all that matters, our relationship with you. May that be strong, I pray. I pray that in the midst of our pain and suffering, we would reach out to you. I pray that in the midst of our hurt, that you would be our focus, that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And then everything else can grow dim as we connect with you. God, help us do that, I pray. And I pray next week, when we look at what God says in all of this, that it would really bring healing, and clarity to people who need to hear it. And it would relieve suffering. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.